We've been dealing with it underground for a long time, but now you can come up and take a breath of green air. Ain't going to change overnight. I mean, it's still Mordor in the middle of most of our cities, but the will is changing. Because what Obama represents is a focus of will, good will. He wants to reconcile. He wants to renew. You know, and this is this in a country that's gone through all of this, this misdirected and, and deceitful foreign affairs. To find a man who really is a vessel of goodwill, well, at first he appears to be a, a chump, a wuss, uh, uh, everything that you don't see advertised during the Super Bowl. And yet he is the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl has changed. It's not inside that dome anymore. It's a bigger dome. I think it's called the biosphere. You know, even bigger than the Superdome. And it that's Obama's arena and that's Obama's game. And he can't play it alone. He's playing it with the best people around. They aren't sitting on lawn chairs, drinking sugared drinks and listening to Sarah Palin while the sun beats down on their poor Medicare bodies. And God bless them all. I mean, they I hope that they just all want the right thing. But while they do that, the world is changing around them. The white gnomes in the GOP look out and see brown and Asian and black and mixtures thereof. And they see sexual relationships. They see gays bringing up children better than the evangelicals next door. And it's, it's very confusing. And all they can say is, no, no, you can't. You can't do that. There's something so Lewis Carroll about the whole thing. So. Tea Party. They've got to find a different moniker because they're not the patriots of 18th century Boston. No, they're not the people that went on to die uh, on Bunker Hill and, and freeze with Washington. Excuse the cliche, but they were there. Now, these folks are the they come out of television. This is really the Tea Party is a reality show where everybody gets to be kind of, if not famous, at least on camera for a short period of time, even if it's only waving some yellow sign with a gun on it threatening me with death if I don't agree with some abstract principle like less taxes. I mean, I like less taxes. It's like when I used to do voiceover and they say, can, can, can we just have a little more in that that we want to like? <laughs> it just like drives you crazy. Less taxes. Which less taxes? Less taxes on corporations. Corporations that go overseas and don't pay us any taxes at all. All they leave us is toxic waste. Yeah, there are corporations that pay their taxes in toxic waste. It's an interesting concept. They don't let me pay my taxes in toxic waste. I could, but uh, I, I don't have the opportunity. I have to use pictures of dead presidents. So there you go. So it's going to be all right, just as long as we stay in this whole thing together. We've got the West Wing in Washington, right? We've got things going green. All we have to do is stay the course, and we're all going to get through this together. Is marijuana medicine? Scientific research does not indicate it is. All major national medical associations have rejected it. Wow, Ms. Calvina Fay and her organization seem pretty confident about what they're saying regarding medical marijuana. But is it true? When it comes to medical marijuana, 
I, I have more of a practical view than anything else. I mean, my attitude is, is that if, uh, if it's an issue of doctors prescribing medical marijuana as a uh, treatment for glaucoma or as a cancer treatment, uh, I think that should be appropriate because there really is no difference between that and a doctor prescribing morphine or anything else. Um, I think there are legitimate concerns in not wanting to allow uh, people to grow their own or start setting up mom and pop shops uh, because at that point it becomes fairly difficult to, to regulate. Hi, Mike. Hello, Peter. Uh, this, yes. Uh, what do you do? You think? Do you think that uh, um, Obama's right that letting uh, mom and pop shops spring up all over the country makes it hard to uh, regulate? <laughs> I mean, tell us about Cornerstone. Tell us about what you're doing. Put us in perspective here, okay? Yeah, I mean, you know what we're doing at Cornerstone um, Research Collective, which is a medical marijuana dispensary located. Um, a few miles north of Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. What we're trying to do is, is we're trying to take a little bit more scientific approach to it. What we saw in Los Angeles initially was um, a, a lot of kind of local pot dealers uh, just getting a storefront. And um, they ended up looking like storefronts operated by local pot dealers. <laughs> there you go. That doctrine of identities really goes to, really goes to town. Yes. And? And so what we've been what we've been seeing, and it's, you know, what we're trying to do differently is to try to bring a little bit more of the latest science about how marijuana works. Um, the interesting thing about marijuana has been that nobody really knew for a long time um, what was going on with with marijuana, what it was doing to people, how it worked, and um, and honestly, because of prohibition, that research has not progressed as much as we'd like. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with a large group of patients and um, share information between ourselves as far as, you know, what is what can this plant do? And, and you but you you're not only dispensing some of the very purest, you know, medical marijuana in Los Angeles. Aren't you affiliated with a lab in San Francisco that that actually does the testing? Am, am I right there? Yeah, we've been working with a lab out of Oakland, outside of San Francisco, yeah. um, called uh, Steep Hill Collective, and um, they have a gas chromatography mass spectrometer, yep. which is a machine that can tell you what is in something and how much of it is there. There, there is only one problem. It's hard to say mass. What did you say that again? Say that word again. Uh, gas chromatography mass spectrometer. When you're high. That's that's a little tough. You just stumble uh, on that. Yeah. You'll get used to it. Yeah, right. So, and so you use their you use them to determine how much uh, active, I guess it would be tetrahydrocannabinol, there is in the various, uh, uh, what do you call it, brands, not brands of marijuana, but styles of marijuana. You've got, you, you have a whole, like, menu when you walk into Cornerstone. You get your choices. Tell us, give us the names and some of the potency, some of the stuff that's available down there. Make the world drool. Right. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because the one thing is the one thing that, that the lab has shown us is is that just knowing how much THC or some of the other cannabinoids might be present doesn't actually tell you much about the potential effects of that strain, and we don't really understand why yet. Really. So while we have a lot of 
we have a lot of interesting strains. We have um, the most potent strain that we get normally is a strain called OG Kush, which uh, we think is a Thai Nepalese cross and um, tops out usually in the 20 to 22 percent range of THC. So we're crucified on a Thai Nepalese cross, if we, in other words. Go ahead. No. All right. So the Thai, how, much, how much THC was that before I made that bad pun? Um, about, I mean, it can get over 20%, wow. which is extraordinary to find any chemical naturally produced within a plant where it makes up one-fifth of the dry weight of the plant. That is, that's amazing. Think of it, if carrots were one-fifth carotene, your eyes would be yellow yeah. all the time. But you could see those Nazi fighters at night for that's miles right. ahead. Oh, yeah. So, so the 20, but give us, besides OG, does OG mean, what does the OG stand for in OG? Well, it originally, it originally meant um, ocean-grown, because I guess the story is, is that it came to coastal California in the early 90s. Yeah. And somebody said, "Oh wow, this tastes like that that mountain, that mountain cannabis." And they said, "No, no, that's ocean grown." Uh-huh. Now, when it came down to L.A., OG in L.A. means original gangsta. Uh-huh, right. So, right. Uh, so now that you know, some people say, "Oh, it stands for you know original gangsta Kush," but the truth is, it stands for ocean grown. You know, the first, I heard Kush recently. There's a great rapper group called Nappy Roots, and they talk about doing Kush. You know, so I guess it's it's become a it's become kind of a, a word across the whole culture, don't you think? Yeah, and it's funny because it's misused a lot. It's used as a it's almost like a sales term down here now, um, <laughs> where where everything's a kush. You walk into a lot of these shops and how your friends blueberry kush and <laughs> yeah, blueberry kush. How your friends kush? We got kush. Sit down on your tush and have some kush. Give us some some of the names. What about that stuff called silver or something, which is made up of two hundred and something different varieties of. Oh, super silver haze. Silver haze, yeah. I, I forgot. Super silver haze. I don't think it's maybe 200 varieties. It's, it's quite a few. I mean, um, a lot of these, what we saw in California starting in the late 60s and early 70s, and you guys were a part of it, um, was uh, this grand underground genetics experiment yeah. where um, growers would bring um, marijuana seeds back to California from Nepal, Afghanistan, the whole hippie backpacker trail mm-hmm. and then um, breed these strains together and, and test them on, you know, unsuspecting radio comedy hosts. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I'll tell that story someday. Not now, but I will tell that story that involves me and Phil Proctor and David Crosby and some brownies later. So yes, <laughs> Later for that Later story. for the brownie story. 